good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of ClickBang. Thank you for joining me this evening. I've got a couple of really hot topics tonight. Uh, I know they're really hot because when we've been talking about these things on social media, they've gotten more attention, more comments, and really more just, I mean, on, on both those these issues, particularly the one with Mr. Thomas, uh, people seem to only have two opinions, and they express them really strongly, either this guy did a horrible thing or this guy is a patriot. Uh, and lots of expletives and exclamation points and all caps stuff. I mean, other than the suicide bunny thing, the, the, the diacetyl thing, these are the two topics that you guys seem to be more interested in than just about anything else. So obviously what we're going to be talking about tonight, if you haven't read the show adverts, there was a YouTube video posted last week gentleman by the name of uh, Sean Randall Thomas, who will be joining me in just a moment, filmed an interaction he had with the NYPD where they were questioning him over, well, they seemed a bit confused over smoking, over vaping, and he refused to answer any of their questions, and then uh, it escalated a bit from there. I'll have Mr. Thomas on so we can talk about the incident, talk about him, and you guys can talk too. Anyone who wants can call in at any time at 347-308-8329. After that, we'll be talking about, there was a recent incident in Michigan where a local news crew did a bit of a sting where they visited some vapor shops as well as a gas station and had two 14-year-old girls try to buy electronic cigarettes, and they were successful at both the gas station and one of the two vape shops. One of the vape shops, well, the vape shop that sold these miners' uh, vape kits was Mr. E-Liquid, and... We're going to be having Mr. E-Liquid on tonight to talk about that. Without further ado, let's start the show. Good evening, everybody. Yes, I'm going down. Yeah. I'm going down, 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 down. Welcome to ClickBang. Yes, All right, thanks for joining me tonight. So I'm just going to go ahead and assume that everybody has seen this video by, by now of uh, Mr. Thomas in the subway. If you haven't, maybe you know, maybe you're listening to the replay. Just check the replay notes, and you can find the uh, the uh, the recording there. I've put it in the uh, in the live show notes, but I, I assume you've seen this by now. Before we get started with that, let's bring on Mr. Thomas, and let's just find out a little bit more about him first. Uh, Sean, are you there, sir? Yes, I am. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for uh, for agreeing to come on the show, sir. Thanks for asking. Sure, sure. Um, I've been following what you've been doing very closely for the past few years, uh, Mr. Thomas. Um, the first video I saw was one that I believe was from just almost a, a year ago to the day, I think, where you were filming uh, what looked to be a pretty uneventful arrest or detainment 
at an at a uh, subway station in Brooklyn, and nothing happened for a long time. There was a police officer there, and he was uh, taking care of a, a citizen. I don't know what he was doing. I don't know what the the final event was from that, but eventually another officer, Officer Rojas, came, and. Uh, pretty immediately didn't like the fact that you were recording the interaction, even though you were 30 feet away. He approached you, uh, got right up in your face, and that led to um, him taking your camera, confiscating and destroying the video footage, which you were able to retrieve later, and then um, arresting you in a, in a violent fashion, which was recorded by another citizen and then seen well over 100,000 times on YouTube. So that's, that's the first time I was made aware of, of you and, and I was interested. I said, what, what else is, what else is this guy up to? Um, and I learned of an incident in 2009 that led to a $450,000 settlement in your favor that was then later reversed. And you have a YouTube channel where you have various interactions you have with the NYPD and other um, state officials. And it's interesting, a lot of interesting stuff. I'll certainly share your YouTube channel uh, in, the, in the replay notes, and I'll put them in the chat in a moment so that people can see these things for yourself. Before we talk about all of these individual incidents, uh, Mr. Thomas, can you please, uh, I, you know, the first question I was going to ask you is, are you an activist? But you don't have to answer that. Why don't you just, uh, why don't you just tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Okay, but before I do, I have to uh, correct or clarify one thing. Uh, the incident with the four hundred or something thousand dollar settlement—that that wasn't me. Oh, the uh, the New York Times has your name right in that. It does. I've never yeah. seen that. I'm, I'm totally unaware of that. Oh my goodness! No, it's uh, well, it must it 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 must be somebody with the same exact name as you who was beat up by the police and got a settlement. So, wow, what are the chances? Yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah. Well. That, that, Thanks for, uh -huh. thanks for that clarification. But um, anyway, let's let's start from the beginning then. Tell us about yourself and what you do. And um, yeah, give yourself an introduction. Well, well, actually, for the past, um, I would say maybe 15 years, 12, 12 or 15 years, I was a professional photographer shooting some of uh, everything, anything from weddings, events, um, just, just anything. And um, that's how I earned a living. And it was around the time of the Republican National Convention. It was in New York City, and I was out shooting there that really got me, uh, which merged the two, uh, which you might call the activism, police accountability, and what I was doing, photography, merged then. And um, shortly thereafter, I got arrested by the FBI for photographing the federal building down in lower Manhattan, and then a Two years after that, I got arrested in that same location for doing the same thing, this time by Department of Homeland Security, except that this time the case was picked up by uh, the ACLU chapter in New York, the New York Civil Liberties Union, and this is what uh, spawned the case that uh, eventually uh, led to the settlement where nationwide now it's, um, it's already known the feds can't um, or law enforcement in general can't harass a person for simply for photographing federal buildings. And let's, and, just, um, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just want, the, just because a lot of people don't know this, uh, in the United States, anywhere in the United States, if you are standing on public property, whether it be a sidewalk or a right-of-way or wherever it is that is owned by the public, that is public property, you can film anything that you can see. This has been, uh, 
despite the fact that people still get arrested for it, they are not lawful arrests as any, as the, the Supreme Court has decided as, you know, most of these case, cases, if the citizen wants to fight it, uh, they, they will all get overturned because if you are in public, if you are on a public sidewalk, you can film anything that you see. It doesn't matter what the building is. It doesn't matter who owns it. If you're in public, you can film. That is your First Amendment right, just so everyone knows that. And I'm sorry for interrupting you, but you can continue. No problem. Yeah, that, that's that's absolutely correct. And it was uh, my arrest uh, by the, the federal government that that began that, that process of bringing that suit by the ACLU against, actually, the Department of Homeland Security. And from, uh, but prior to this and prior to my being harassed by law enforcement for my photography, I was photographing um, things like arrests whenever I saw them anyway. You know, at the time, it wasn't until I got um, in contact with Carlos Miller, I didn't know that there was, you know, this thing around all around the country with people being harassed for their photography. I've been stopped and harassed. Uh, for my photography by the United States military, um, the National Guard, uh, the presidentials, uh, the president's uh, private security, the Secret, the Secret Service, um, the FBI, um, every, some of everybody. If you name them, they pretty much stopped me and harassed me about my photography over the years. So one question a lot of people have had, I mean, Sean, in these, I, I've posted your YouTube video on very, you know, most, mostly things related to, to vaping, because this is somewhat, you know, it's incidentally related to vaping, I suppose, but I've put it on Facebook groups and Reddit and Twitter. And, you know, the, the comments that have come back have been, you know, in, well over a thousand, I don't know how many, but one, one thing I've seen come up a few times was why are you doing this? Why are you people, people, some people think, that you're instigating the police or you're, you know, why are you filming them or what, you know, so, so what is your motivation? Well, like I said, I always, uh, is since this first time I pick up a camera, um, one of the things, one of the things that I've uh, photographed are police. And I guess I would have to give a long backstory to explain this. It goes, uh, back prior to 15 years ago before uh, becoming a professional photographer and my contacts and experience with the police prior to that. So even um, before um, using the camera to document the police, I was uh, I was I had very strong opinions about policing and what I call unconstitutional policing here in New York City. So uh, when I picked up the camera, that that those two merged. And um, when I stopped smoking a couple of years ago. I started vaping and became aware of this thing with uh, the city council and putting restrictions on that. Well, that merged with that back then. So this is actually the first time I actually had a confrontation with anyone um, like that, uh, law enforcement, uh, for vaping. But I said from the beginning when I first heard that they were, they were trying to in, um, initiate restrictions on it, I said from the beginning that I would challenge it. Whenever I had the opportunity, whenever given the opportunity, I would challenge it. Was it your intent then on, on that video? Because it, it, something interesting about that video that I noticed is that you began filming, in, unless, unless you were filming for long before the, uh, the, the, NYP, the two officers approached you, it, it seems that you kind of knew they were coming, which is hard to, I don't know how you would have because they were in plain clothes unless you got, <laughs> unless you have like a really good radar. How, what, 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 yeah, led, what, well, well, yeah. 
Well, both bo- both are true. I have a good radar, and I knew they were coming. I actually did record them prior to that. I was actually, if you see the video where I'm standing, and they uh, approached me, that direction they approached me from, I was actually behind them initially. I was mm-hmm. behind them watching them. I was yeah, I, I was behind them watching them. I'm very aware of of the NYPD and police around and what they're doing. And in this case, in that particular subway station, generally there's uh, cops there in uniform, generally two in uniform, and they stand down there and they're looking up the stairway, the same stairway I walked up. They're looking up there to see if anybody's going to jump the turnstile, and they they stand down there and they wait for people to do that, Mm -hmm. and they give them tickets and, and so on. But these two guys were plain clothes. They weren't in uniform. Now, generally, when transit cops work plain clothes, it's usually three. They don't work in pairs of two. They work in pa- uh, a, a couple of th- uh, uh, a group of three. So that's the first thing that caught my attention was um, these are two guys in plain clothes down here waiting, looking for ferry vaders, and it's just two of them, which made me think that these guys are poachers. Or poachers are like uh, they're cops that are not um, they're, they're not they're not really a station or work any one particular area. They just go anywhere and look for numbers. They're not looking to stop crime. They're not looking to help people. They're just looking to police unconstitutionally, get numbers, get summonses, quotas, pretty much, to meet their quotas. Mm -hmm. And that's what it appeared to me these two guys were. And it became clear to me when they wouldn't tell me where they were working out of. You know, it's not like any cop from, you know, the first precinct in Manhattan could come sh- or rather should be over here in the subway stations looking for people uh, um, uh, trying to invade their fares. So that's the first thing that occurred to me is that they were poachers. So, I, yeah, I was watching them. I was watching them um, probably about two minutes before I walked to the position where I was and they approached me. So, yeah, I, was, I had my phone out and I was, wa- I was waiting for them to approach. I pretty much figured they would. Right. And uh, we're... Now it's not also not clear in the video. Now they say they saw something, some smoke or some vapor. They weren't sure come out of your mouth, but it doesn't show any mm-hmm. vapor in the video. Were you actually vaping in the in the subway? It's, uh, I would assume yes. Yeah, interestingly enough, the cop who approached me with his shield out and pulled out his badge. Uh, okay, it was two of them. Him that pulled out his badge, and then the other one who didn't put out pull out his badge and didn't want to identify himself. Um, Actually, when I was standing behind them, I was vaping the whole time I was standing behind them. Now, the one who approached me didn't see me, but the, uh, the other one saw me. We looked at each other. He saw me. We, we looked at each other the entire time that I was standing over there because they were standing separate from each other so that people didn't realize they were together. Mm-hmm. So the one who approached me couldn't see me, but the other one did. So he knew I was vaping. He saw me doing it. He didn't say anything. For he didn't couple, so he saw his haters. He saw you vaping for a couple of minutes and didn't didn't say anything to anybody. And didn't say anything, right. And then I moved to the position where I was at, and then the partner who didn't see me approached me. Interesting. So why do you think he said, so where did, why do you think he said, hey, what are you doing smoking if he didn't see you doing anything? Um, well, I did, I took one drag when I got to that position. I got that, the, the position I was in, took one, one pull, blew it straight up, and put it in my pocket and just stood there. And then, you know, a few seconds later, he, he walked over. Okay, I understand. Now, just so you mentioned before, because not everybody, you know, this is this is a show that caters to both vapors and libertarian activists. 
um, some mm -hmm. of the vapor, some of the vapors might not know some of the finer points of what you're talking about. So I just want to I want to clarify. In the video, you asked both of them for um, name, shield number, and command. Um, right. Th that's important because in the NYPD patrol guide, which I'm holding in front of me, procedure number two hundred three dot two hundred three dash zero nine. For public contact okay says number one courteously and clearly state your rank name shield number and command or otherwise provide them to anyone who requests you do so allow the person ample time to note this information so you uh you didn't ask for rank but you did ask for name um shield number and command the first officer provided you with uh, name and shield number of the second officer ref refused to uh, give you anything. Um, there, there's something you know. This, right. is, this is just like a. This might be a minor point, but mm. when 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 I read that, Sean, it says uh, courteously and clearly state your name, rank, shield number, and command. That's that's quite clear. State means you know verbally state. But then it says comma right or otherwise provide to them. Does and and when well, I when I read uh, that I, I I think does that mean is is verbal is uh just showing you uh, okay I I'm not quite sure or otherwise provide them I don't no, know what no. that means they must no no they must state it they must state their rank their shield number their name and their command they must tell it to you they can't write it on anything and it's interesting because you mentioned that part of the patrol guy I actually have a few copies of that and some um. Uh, and some that are more detailed, which actually cite, because um, in one police plaza in lower Manhattan, they have their own court, like a court system, where a courtroom where judges sit, witnesses sit, laid out just like a regular courtroom. I've been in there a couple of times. And they actually cite in the patrol guide, the copies that I have, they, they, they provide the officers with, uh, with um, cites from cases where they had with police officers in uh in one police plaza and explain to him and gives them examples. In a case where a guy was given a summons and asked for the cop's identification, you know, this uh, name, rank, and all that, and the cop told him it's on the summons, and they said specifically that's not permissible. So they gave several examples of it. The cops know this. They have to tell you all of that information that you mentioned, and they have to tell it to you, as you said, in a, in a slow manner where you can have time to document. So it's obviously a part of the patrol guide I'm, I'm looking at it right now so i know it's in there but is right. it is it illegal i don't i don't think it's illegal it's just it's just a part of their procedure right well well it's it's um i i don't get into what's legal and what's not legal i i deal specifically with what with what's lawful and what's not lawful as far as it being legal or not um is it the question it's their own protocols their own policy and if the cop is violating police department policy forget laws and constitution and everything if he's violating police po policy he's he's up front you are able to determine he's a bad actor gotcha and that would go and that would and that is something that you would use for example if i had been arrested to establish you know in a in a criminal uh case where i'm defending myself that this guy is, was acting bad from the beginning now in this incident a lot of the comments that i've seen a lot of the people saying, well, you know, if you're going to vape where it's not legal to, to vape, which we can talk about that in a minute, but let's just, let's just go on that premise for now. If you're going to vape where you're not allowed, mm -hmm. if you're going to go on, if you're going to go vape and you're not, where, where you're not allowed to vape and, 
and the cops approach you, you should just take the ticket. I've heard that. Uh, I've heard that a hundred times or more. You should just take the ticket, and that's kind of like that's the weirdest thing I've heard because they never wrote a ticket, they never wrote a citation. But what they did do is begin questioning you. Now, why don't, can you explain? Right. Can you explain why you refuse to answer um, pretty much any of their questions? Why do you Why do you do that with police? Well, from the beginning, um, with, with any contact with the police over anything, it could have been vaping, it could have been anything. Um, first thing is you're not obligated to answer any of their questions. You first have to understand that. Second, you have to understand is that they're not asking you any questions so that you can clear yourself. They're asking you questions so that they can gain more information to use against you. An admission of guilt for something, you know, they'll figure it out later. So I never answer questions from law enforcement. If anything, I, I'll ask questions. I'll right. never answer any questions. Right. Well, you did. You you did kind of answer one question. You he he asked you if you were smoking. That was the first question that he asked. And right. late, late in the video, you did said, "I'm not smoking anything." So you kind of did answer that question. Right. Um, why'd you choose to do yeah, that? Yeah, I did answer that. Right. Why'd you choose to do that? Um. Well. Well, because I wasn't, and not not so much to comply with him, but is. In the moment, it was part of the exchange. Let's move on. I'm not smoking. Let's move on. Mm -hmm. I wasn't smoking anything. So now answer my question so that you can get past this part about I was smoking. Right. And uh, hold on a second, please. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Stand by, ladies and gentlemen. If anyone has questions or comments, please do call. Hello? The number is 347-308-8329. Go ahead, Sean. I'm sorry about that. No problem. Um, yeah. So um, basically, that that was uh, that was the um, uh, why I, I stated that. I understand. But, um, so yeah. so here's the thing. Um, I understand, and I, I consider you a patriot myself. There's people who uh, would disagree with that, but I I, I admire what you're doing. I do. Um, I'm not as prolific as you. Um, the police, for whatever reason, you can draw your own conclusions why when I film them, they just generally don't even come up to me. I don't know why. You know, I, I have I have my I have, right. I, I, have, I have some ideas, but let, you know it's not too relevant right now, I guess. But anyway, um, right. when I do um, get approached by the police for filming in public, um, I I do it different when when I'm asked for information. I respond differently than you, and and what I mean by that is, I'm as polite as possible, and I and I don't raise my voice mm. and things like that. And the, the main reason is because I don't want to get mm. beat up, and I don't want to go to jail. Um, uh, but you you are quite uh, you're quite assertive. Um, a lot of people have said, you know, you're, you're rude, you're, you know, you're disrespectful, all these things. So you choose to go in a, in a certain way. I, I choose to go in another. Um, it, it, it almost seems, you know, the, the police don't like to be questioned or they don't like it when they don't get instant compliance, even when your compliant, your non-compliance is totally legal. Um, but when you do raise your voice and challenge them and, and swear, which you do sometimes, it tends to escalate things. Not that it should, but people, you know, you, you might not be yeah. that surprised that it does. Why do you choose to go that way? Well, the first, uh, the first thing is, is that I understand that the police are not the authority. From my perspective, the way I see it, 
we are the authority. We the people are the authority. We are the ones, it's under our consent um, that they exist. We don't exist, exist because of them. They exist because of us. They exist with our permission. We are their authority. So they are just authority figures. They represent us. But when they step outside of those bounds, I feel no obligation to be kind or bow to them. You know, I'm not attacking them. I'm not attacking them. And if you notice in my videos, most of the times when they uh, approach me, I'm very calm. I'm very calm initially. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's true. Until until they choose to uh, uh, to step over that line that I'm your overlord, that's when I have a problem. That's when that's when the gloves come off. But here, here's the thing, Sean, and this this says nothing to your to your your argument or your justification for for why you're doing this. But um, you know that video of you in this is a different video, the video from a year ago where you were in the Brooklyn, when you were in the Brooklyn uh, subway and you were, this wasn't about vaping or anything, you were just filming from quite a distance actually, about 30 feet you were filming. And that led to uh, Officer Rojas, he, he beat you up pretty bad. So, I mean, and that and that's when you weren't breaking any laws. So, um, you know, aren't you, I mean, how does that not put the fear of God into you? Well, um, I didn't say I wasn't afraid. <laughs> well, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't, se- it doesn't seem like you are. Well, believe me, I'm shaking. If you if you if you watch any of my videos and confrontations, you'll notice a little camera wobble. That's because my hands are shaking. Yeah. You know, I try to keep it under control, but I'm always nervous when I confront these guys. Because I and, and in the case you you mentioned a year ago, it will be a year ago in a, in a, in a few days. Um, I was afraid that guy was going to shoot me when he was on my back. I honestly thought he was going to shoot me. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought it was over right then. The thing is, is that I cannot. I, 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 I don't know if this will make any any sense to you, but even the, the facing death or believing that I'm facing death, I can't back down to these guys. I, I, if I did. Later on, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. Uh, not that I'm able to sleep at night anyway, but I, I, it would really bug me that I didn't stand up to them. It would really, really bug me. I mean, really eat at me. I Knowing that I was right. I understand. It would, it would really eat at me. So, continuing to talk about this most recent incident in the in the subway with the, with the vaping and everything. Um, so, you had... A couple of cops they they violated their patrol guide um and maybe some other things which you, you can you can elaborate what other procedures or laws or whatever you, you think they violated in this encounter um do you plan to do anything about it i mean you had one cop could completely refuse to identify himself i mean is there any recourse that you plan to take with this or are you just going to let this one well yeah i i spoke to someone at the ccrb who had already saw the video and, and, and can, an you, email. can you can you can you explain what the ccrb is yeah, the Civilian Complaint Review Board. Not that I have a whole lot of faith in them. I honestly don't. I, and it's one particular investigator that I've been dealing with now for about three years, probably, or a little over two years. Um, no, it's been about three years um, that I've been dealing with on various cases. I always assign him when I make a complaint. So what I did was send him an email. He had saw the video and called me the following day, I believe, and we set up an appointment for sometime next week, I think. Gotcha. 
as far as any legal action uh, is concerned, um, I don't think that I will. I may because as far as I'm concerned, the cop owes me $50,000. I told him he owes me $5,000 an hour for 10 hours for the time he's taking of mine. He said, okay. So as far as I'm concerned, me and him have a contract. <laughs> have good, to, good luck with that. I'll have to think about that. Good. Yeah, I'll have to think about that. But well, other than that, you know, no. Um, okay, so going back, let, let's go back because most of the other incidents I've seen that you put on your YouTube channel, particularly, let's let's talk in depth about what happened a year ago today in in Brooklyn. For, and and you know, fewer of the listeners have have seen that video. So if you could, as briefly as possible, just in, just explain what happened on that day and then what happened afterwards, because I have no idea if you have a law. I would assume you you would have a lawsuit pending, and t tell people about what happened February of last year. Yeah, well, actually, it was uh, February fifteenth, I think it was mm -hmm. last year. I was in the subway station, a subway station in Brooklyn, and I noticed the cops. Actually, it was one cop at the time had a person detained, sitting handcuffed on a bench, and I was exactly thirty feet away, actually about thirty-one feet away, recording recording um, what was going on, which wasn't really much. And the partner to the cop that was down there with the person they were detaining came down, uh, had a few words with them, looked and noticed that I was recording, and then walked up to me basically uh, with, his, with his iPhone out, pretty much like in this video from, from, another, from last week. The guy puts, uh, puts his camera, in, uh, his phone in my face, um, and, you know, it said exactly the same thing this guy said. I said, you're violating my personal space. He said, you're violating my personal space. After walking up to me and putting the camera in my face. Yeah, after walking 30 feet to, to be one foot in front of your face, now you're invading his space. That, that, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. You know, it, it struck me that this cop from last week said the same thing when I told him he's invading my personal yeah, space. Yeah, I thought he of that. the same thing Rojas said. It was interesting. I, I, thought, of, I thought of that, too. Uh, maybe he's seen your videos. No, when, see, that's just it. When he said the same thing Rojas said, um, that kind of indicated to me that he wasn't a transit cop. And he wasn't a transit cop working out of TD 32, 30, or 31, because pretty much all of them know of this incident already. Mm -hmm. Most, Mostly all cops, you know, or a lot of cops know about this incident already. The fact that he would say that and do that would tell, tells me that he wasn't aware of it because he's not a transit cop. Mm -hmm. And he shouldn't have been down there, mm -hmm. which further, you know, got me about their command where they're working at, mm -hmm. you know, affirming for me that they were poachers. So you think it's some a part of some kind of training to say something? Why would they? Well, it, it's it's obviously ridiculous when they're re being recorded on camera and somebody travels a distance to come up to you. And then when you say you're violating my space and they parrot it, that's not a nat. That, that's not. It's certainly counterintuitive. You, he was the one that walked up. How could he? How, how could you be violating his space when he's the one who came up to you and stood a foot in front of your face? Well, it's a, it's, it's, it, it goes to the fact that they're, they're, they're bullies and they understand that what they're doing is wrong. You know, he has nothing to say. He has no retort. So that's what he says. Just repeat what you say, mm. because they know he understands that he's that he's doing something wrong. You know, and he knows or believes that he will not be held accountable for it. Right. Okay, so going back to Brooklyn, you know, New York. But the case with Rojas. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, going, I was about to say, going back to Brooklyn a year ago. 
Yeah, but the case with Rojas was actually dismissed the morning that Eric Garner was killed in Staten Island. It was, uh, what was that, July 17th? Mm-hmm. Um, the case was dismissed by Kings County on a motion from the district attorney's office. And by the case being dismissed, the charges against you were dismissed. Were dropped. Right. 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 Were dropped on a motion by the Kings County district attorney's office. And ironically, as soon as the case was dropped, I walked over to the district, att- uh, district attorney's office to file a complaint against Rojas. And while I was standing in the lobby waiting to go upstairs to file a complaint, who do I see in the lobby but Rojas? He was signing in the book that the police sign in when they go into the DA's office. But they didn't let me upstairs to file a complaint. They refused to, to accept my complaint. And again, ironically or coincidentally, at the moment Eric Garner was being killed, at that same time, I was on the phone with the Kings County District Attorney's Office, and they told me that they will never accept a complaint against a police officer who abused somebody if the person making the complaint is the person who was abused. That and I recorded that conversation. That, that's, the, that's the craziest thing I ever heard. I mean, who, who better to make I the have complaint? It, I have it on recording. <laughs> I recorded it. So ha- the same moment they were killing Eric Garner in Staten Island, the cop, I mean, the, uh, uh, one of the head supervisors at the Kings County District Attorney's Office was telling me that they will never, never accept a complaint against a cop. And mind you, it's not like uh, it's it's uh, it's it's um, a special favor for them to accept the complaint. The Kings County District Attorney's Office and all of the district attorneys' offices in New York City have a, 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 a office there called the Citizen Action Center, and this is where people, members of the public, come in to file their complaints against uh, for any reason. Specifically, what they have is an integrity bureau, police. Uh, uh, what is it called? Um, it's an integrity bureau. I forget the full name, but that integrity bureau is the part of the DA's office that investigates public officials, including police officers. It specifically says it, and they hand these leaflets out to the public, welcoming them to come in to file complaints, you know, against cops or for any, or for any reason. And they told me specifically that they will never accept a complaint from a member of the public about a cop abusing them. So who's supposed to file it? I have no idea. According to their logic, Abner Louima couldn't have went in and filed a complaint against Justin Wolpe, using their logic. So you have not filed. So you have no complaints filed for any of these things. It would it would seem to be impossible. No, no, no. I have complaints. For, no, I have complaints filed, but just not at the Kings County District Attorney's okay. Office. Okay. Actually, the case with Rojas, I did. I never initiated the complaints with that either. The internal affairs initiated the complaint. Apparently, okay. some someone put them onto the video, and they had um, me contacted. And the same thing with the CCRB. So now the I CCRB understand. completed their investigation on the Rojas matter um, sometime in December, and it's before the full board. I don't know what they're what they're waiting on. I have an idea, but I, I'm not sure what they're waiting on. Internal affairs. Drop, uh, dropped their investigation months ago. The reason they stopped, they'll rather put a hold on it, is because the DA's office pretty much grabbed it from them and stopped them from moving on it, from doing anything on it. As far as I understand it, when I spoke to the, the, the detective at Internal Affairs who was investigating this, Internal Affairs in the police department is ready to move against this cop, but they can't because the DA's office uh, put a hold on it. 
So do you have any kind of opportunity for a lawsuit? Oh, yes, of course. Actually, I believe um, that I will be, that there, there probably will be something filed sometime soon, and it won't just be on this case. It will be on um, five, five, actually five cases. Is that Four gonna, or five. Is that going to Separate, ha- separate are, incidents. Are you going down the road of U.S. Section Code 42, subsection 1983? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's always a 1983. Yeah. Understood. All right. Just so everyone yeah. knows what I just said, um, a lot of times... Local police, local DAs will will obstruct any kind of lawsuit from moving forward because they're protecting their own. So there is another avenue, and it's not you know with the city or the state that you're in, but it's with the federal government. Um, I actually learned about this from my friend Stereo Dreamer. It, it, U.S. Section Code Forty Two, Subsection Nineteen Eighty Three, allows a citizen. Uh, you know what? You probably know it better than me. Can you explain the Nineteen Eighty Three to the audience? Well, pretty much, you pretty much you have it right. Uh, Section 1983 is one of the Civil Rights Act. Actually, it's the second of uh, I don't know the original code, but it wasn't far in the statute uh, away from that. That was established back in the late 1800s, and it allows you to file lawsuits against uh, public officials. It originally came into place um, for. Uh, African-Americans to bring lawsuits against uh, public officials for the things that were happening back in the 1800s. It was part of the original. We think of the civil rights era as the 1960s. Actually, that was the second. The original was back in the late 1800s. So what's, uh, what's interesting about this is that normally a lot of times when you see, you know, a citizen was award, awarded damages from the city of wherever, the state of wherever, police abuse and it's an x million dollar settlement and you know in those cases who pays for that well if it was in new york city and you're able to you know get a police brutality suit or anything like that the, you know the, the cops don't personally pay for any of that the police de- it doesn't come out of the police department coffers it just comes out of the general tax pool um the citizens pay for it now it's very different. generally generally yes in a 1983 you are actually suing the cop or whoever, you know, whatever state official abused you or, or, or whatever, assaulted, whatever whatever the case may be, whatever whatever the reason for your deprivation of civil rights, you are actually going after that you are actually going after them personally. If they are liable, they will personally pay. Now, you know, the uh, you know, groups can help with that. I mean, if if they want to, like a police union or a GoFundMe or, or anything like that. But ultimately, that human, that person, not the state, is accountable and would need to provide and pay for the damages, am I correct? Uh, for the most part, the city does indemnify uh, does indemnify the officer in most cases to a, at least to a certain amount. So uh, let's say um, uh, if a cop did something and it was clearly in violation of uh, police protocol, it was in violation of the law. The city could opt not to indemnify the officer, and the officer could be held completely liable for the full amount. In some cases, the uh, the officer is liable for a, a, a smaller portion of portion of the amount, you know, ten thousand, thirty thousand, sixty thousand, something like that. And I guess that's why you asked Officer Rojas if he owns a home and if it's paid off. <laughs> Right. I was, uh, that was my attempt of backing him off. It didn't work. No. 
And he wasn't, apparently he wasn't smart enough to realize what I was saying to him. Right. Well, maybe he'll regret that one day. We'll have to see. Um, you'll have to let me know when you file. Uh, you know, you mentioned that this incident in the subway was the first one that ever popped up with anything to do with vaping. But I saw one of your videos where it kind of did a little bit when you were sitting in a public park on a bench. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that one. That one I'll be filing the lawsuit for also. Yeah. Now, why don't you tell people what happened on that day? Well, I was, I was in a park, and actually I went into the park really just to, I had just got my iPhone, and I was I went in there just to take, because um, I'm in a small apartment. So I went into the park to basically just uh, test the panoramic feature, because doing it in a small room, you know, you really can't gauge how well the camera is, is or the software stitching together these things. So I went to the park to do it. When I was in the park, I noticed a police car at the um, uh, perpendicular to me all the way at the end of the path, and I knew that those were co uh, cops harassing kids. So I just sat there and was uploading the, editing the photo that I had just took and uploading it. And when I was done uploading it, I was going to take a walk down there to see what was going on. But by the time uh, the, 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 I had finished uploading the photo, the police were already up on me. Now, so do you think they came and, up to do you think they came up to you because they recognize you or do they think do you think they came up to you because they thought that you were recording them? No, I don't think either. I don't think that they recognized me and I don't think they uh came up on me because I was uh recording them. Actually, those were housing cops. New York City police are broken down into basically three areas, uh, city cops, which we call, we call city cops, transit cops, and housing cops. And before Giuliani, that's how it was. There were actually three separate divisions. And under Giuliani, they all merged under one, but they still operate the same. So those were housing cops outside of any housing authority property. And they were doing pretty much what those cops were in the subway system doing, poaching, looking for, just looking for numbers because there was nothing happening. Just, you know, there's no one. There's no, at, at that time of the day, there's uh, schools located on, either, or, or, or on all corners or around the park. There's a school on either side. And um, the kids get out of school and walk through the park going home, and on a daily basis, these housing cops go into the public, uh, go into the New York City Park and harass people, you know, and I, and I, I was aware of this, and this is why I was going to walk down there when I saw the police car, and basically, they, 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 they pulled up on me, and they saw a bottle that was on the table next to me. They assumed that it was beer, and they thought, hey, this is an easy one. It's a ticket for an open container of alcohol in the park, but it wasn't. It wasn't alcohol. Was it yours? And it wasn't mine. It wasn't even no, yours. No, it wasn't. It was no. just. It was just on the bench. And e even if it, even if it was it, who, who's ever it belonged to, it was a Malta. It was. It's a non-alcoholic right. beverage. It, it, it's uh, right. Yeah. Right. So they figure, okay, this is an easy one, and I, I suppose I could have said to them, um, well, it's not mine, and it's not a beer. But again, um, I'm not obligated to answer your questions, and I understand what you're here doing and I'm standing up to you, is what I'm thinking to myself. What happened next? Uh, the officer got out. He asked me what it was. I told him it was none of his business. He got out the car, uh, approached me, um, and, you know, basically 
asking me what's what's that in the bottle. He asked me about I had um I forget what device I had. It was either a VTR or MP uh, MPV. I have a few it was, different devices. It was an MPV with an Nautilus tank. All right. It was yeah. It was it was it was an MPV with um with the Nautilus right. And uh, and he asked what that was. He didn't recognize it. And again, so it's none of his business. None of his business. What I have, you know, a lot of people don't understand this. Um, that a crime, because they, they, even when they're talking about the vaping, a crime, there cannot be a crime without an injured party. If there's no injured party, there's no crime. I don't care what anything any legislator writes into what they call law. If there's no injured party, there's no crime. So I understand this, and I understand that these cops have no constitutional basis to be harassing me about any of this. Well, let and me. This ask, is the position let me, I take. Let me, well, let, let's talk about that. So there, uh, listen. I disagree with you about the the laws that, or the uh, the, the the part of the Smoke Free Air Act that says you can't vape uh, in in parks, on beaches, anywhere indoors accessible to the public. I'm suing the city over it, so obviously I disagree with the law, but. You know, it is a it, it, it is a law, uh, a bad one for sure, but it is a law. You're saying that I, I'm I, I'm having trouble understanding your position. Are you, you're saying that even though, I mean, do you recognize that that even if even if it's a bad law, you recognize this is a law, correct? No, no, I don't. I recognize them as codes, regulations, ordinances, uh, those type of things, but uh, not actual law. Okay, fine. They so, have the force, or they say they have the force of law, but I don't recognize them as law. So let me let me let's expand upon that. Okay, so you recognize it as a code, but codes right. have officials that are responsible for for enforcing them. So okay, so they see something. Uh, in this case, you I don't think they did see you vaping, but let, let's just say let's take you out of the picture. They see somebody vaping in the park. Okay, so that's against a code. Right. That's against the code, in your opinion. So. You're saying that they, I mean, how could you, how can it be enforced if they can't come up to you to, I don't understand your position. Well, uh, we allow them to, we give them the power to, um, to do this. We, I mean, individually, when they approach us, we comply. And when we go to court, again, we comply. I don't. The first thing I do when I go before court, I was in court um, last week, week before last. First thing I go in the court and do is I say, uh, I move that this court dismiss this matter against me for lack of personal jurisdiction. The fact that there is no sworn complaint by an injured party and there's no injured party present. I haven't lost the case yet. That's this is in New York City in criminal courts, what, and well, this is in... That's, that's actually worked? Yes, it, I haven't been convicted yet. You've never been... Con you, you haven't been convicted of anything ever? No, 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 that's not... <laughs> Uh, let's say for the past 15 years. Before, okay, fine. Uh, well, no, well, I've, I've, be, prior to that, yes, I've been, and like I said, I've had many run-ins with law enforcement uh, um, prior, prior to that, like 15, 15, 15 years ago and, and prior to that. But since then, no. So for all of these incidents where you're approached by police and there's some sort of a citation written, like, for example, that day in the park, they ended, even though that bottle wasn't yours, that bottle that contained a non-alcoholic beverage of all things wasn't yours. They cited you for having a glass container in the park. In the park. So, right, and being in the park without a child under 12 years old and for obstructing the bench. So they gave me three summonses. For they being arrested a, me, took me to the police station. Right, for being in the park without a child under 12 years old. 
What the, what, now, what the hell is that? Every, anyone's allowed in the park. Yeah, I know. They were just, they were just making things up. Yeah. This is one of the things that these are these are these are actually uh, rules of the parks department, but they didn't apply to me. And they, even if I now recognize them as law, they didn't apply to me. They didn't apply to the situation I was in. They didn't apply to that section of the park. Yeah, I've seen some. I've seen like they're in Tompkins Square Park. I noticed that I read a sign once where they have a playground, and it does say on the sign that you can't go right. into this playground unless you, as an adult, unless you're accompanied by a child under 12, but it's clearly an area with like, you know, kitty swings and, and a right, little jungle right. gym and everything. Exactly. But, it, and but you weren't in that kind of an area. That's the same section. No, I wasn't in that area. And that's the same section that applies to uh, uh, where the glass, not being in the park with glass also applies. And it actually makes sense. You know, I, I wouldn't argue. I mean, it's not law, but I would. I, I understand why that is. I mean, I have children. I agree with you. I understand. But um, but it didn't apply to me, and I wasn't in that section. Okay, so so they were just making things up. So they 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 wrote they wrote you citations for the glass bottle, the being in an area without someone twelve years old or younger, and what was the other one? Uh, obstructing a bench. Obstructing a bench, and you were because you were sitting on a bench, which is right. what, what you're supposed to do with a bench. Okay, so nothing though. Regard now, you refuse to provide any identification, verbal, state issued, or otherwise. Correct. Right. I'm surprised they didn't just hit you. Isn't there? Now it's not illegal. Well, here's a here's a question for you, and and I've I've been trying to get to the bottom of this. When you're being written a citation. How are they supposed to write you the citation if you don't verbally identify yourself? Um, I have no idea. Well, how did they? I have no idea. Well, how did they? Oh, well, I had I had ID in my wallet, and when I got to the police station, they searched me. Okay. Uh, well, actually, they searched me and got the ID before they even took me there. Okay. So they had my ID. Okay. Now, sometimes, though, sometimes, like whenever I do a First Amendment check, I don't carry ID. I don't carry any ID. So what would happen if they decided... Even though I don't do anything illegal when I'm when I'm doing this, I just stand on a sidewalk and film a building. What would happen? What what, what would I have you ever experienced that where they where you're taken in and you're cited for something and you don't have ID and you don't verbally identify yourself? What would happen then? Um, actually, I don't know what they would do. They would try to obtain your fingerprints and run your finger fingerprints through the system. But when I'm when they arrest me, also I I refuse to give fingerprints. I don't take pictures. I don't give fingerprints. I'm not obligated to give them anything. The police would have you believe that you are, but you aren't. You aren't obligated to tell them who you are, uh, give them any ID, or identify yourself in any way. You're not obligated to do that. So ultimately, let's say someone like me, I don't have any, my, my prints are clean. I'm not carrying any ID. I'm not going to verb, I'm not going to. So they get to a point where they, they, they have a ticket they want to write me. But I'm not speaking, mm -hmm. and even if they forcibly get my fingerprints, they're not going to come up with anything. What, 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 then what? <laughs> I don't know what they would do in a case like that. Hmm. I have no idea what they would do. Interesting. Uh, get you before they probably would still get you before a judge. I, I suppose you know. I, I really don't know. As far as I'm concerned, they, everything that they do is unconstitutional. You know, uh, people complain that with the problem with the police and stopping for us is that it's racist and that it's, uh, you know, a, a power thing and this or that. For me, it's, it's really clear. It's, they're policing unconstitutional. You find any case of 
police misconduct, brutality, anything anywhere around the country, and at the heart of it, is, at the foundation, is unconstitutional policing. It's, it's clear to me. So, and this just, is what I fight against. So just just so that, and I, I think I think I'm much more clear on this now. But just uh, to make sure I am, and to make sure everyone else is clear, when you're talking about non felony, non misdemeanor, you know, uh, crimes with no victim that are typically fall under violations. Your position is right. If there's if there's no victim, there's no crime. Well, I certainly agree with that. At least on a philosophical level, I'm not I'm not educated enough to speak legally on it. But your position, from a legal perspective, is that these are codes. Um, these are administrative. Th- how, you describe them as codes, yeah. Right. So codes, regulations, ordinances. Right. 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 So all of those that are, and the, almost all of those things, or all of those things, are violations. So it's completely legal for a police officer to come up to you and, and, and engage in a consensual con- uh, conversation. Um, but after a certain point where, you, at any point really, you can say, I'm not answering any questions. At that point, you believe the encounter should be over. That's pretty much your position, right? Right. It's just as if anyone else walked up on you on a subway station and wanted to hold a conversation with you and you told them you, were no long, you weren't interested in having a conversation with them, the police have no more rights than that person than that person, and continuing a conversation with you. At that point, if he does not have probable cause that you committed an actual crime, he has no right to continue this contact with you. At that point, it's harassment. Understood. Now, going back to the... Uh, to the incident, the most uh, recent incident in the subway with the with the vaping, I was surprised that they didn't just write you a ticket anyway. Why do you think, uh, you know, because because one of the cops, you know, y- y- you were making it pretty obvious that you were vaping. Um, how much they know, you know, th- the only thing I could think of as a reason why they didn't cite you is perhaps they might not know that. It is indeed under the Smoke Free Air Act. Until I win my lawsuit, it is indeed not legal to vape on MTA property or parks, beaches, or anywhere else indoors open to the public except the vape shop. So I, I the only thing I could come up with why they didn't write you a ticket is that they didn't know that e-cigs were included in it. I can't think of any other reason because even if they don't have probable cause, even if... even I can they, give you another reason. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm interested to hear it. I can give you another reason. They, they didn't write the summons because I was not complying with them and they were poachers. They were not supposed to be down there doing that. It would be different if they expect that when they approach someone and, you know, typical police, hey, give me some ID, let me see your ID. Person gives them the ID, they write a summons, they send the person on their way. They could stand down there all day and do that for any number of quote-unquote violations and make their numbers and then go on about their day. I was presenting them with, a, with an arrest. They weren't getting my ID. I was not complying with them. I wouldn't fight with them, but if they wanted to give me a summons, they were going to have to arrest me, which means they would have to have radioed in, and they were, again, probably not. This is further, this further, you know, affirms for me that they were not there. They weren't supposed to be there doing that. Interesting. They were just there to get numbers. And this is why they didn't do it. Because to be honest with you, you see the cops, the situation in the park, those cops didn't care that I wouldn't provide ID. They said, okay, screw it. Lock them up. Arrest them. They had no problem with that. These guys didn't want to do that because they weren't supposed to be operating there like that. That's what I, what I presume. You know, it's interesting, Sean, when the vaping ban went through, 
right after now Bloomberg signed it into law on on the last day of last year uh, and it didn't go into effect for a few months after so what I did was I organized um, I organized a, a civil disobedience protest where uh, a group of vapors went with me to Central Park by the Arsenal which is the headquarters for uh, the New York City Parks and Recreation Department and they are responsible as far as I know they're the ones that are responsible for um, enforcing the laws that apply to the park and it is indeed not legal to vape in Central Park makes no sense I mean you could be walking down the sidewalk in Times Square during rush hour vaping and there's gonna be people you know two feet away from you that's legal but if you're yeah. in Central Park and there's no one within a 200 foot radius of you that's illegal it makes no sense but anyway it's against the law so I said all right well let's disobey the law and see what happens I got written up in the Gothamist and in the Village Voice I circulated uh, the intent to do this online, got tens of thousands of, of people that read it. Um, I called the police in advance and I told them I'm going to be there and this is what I'm going to be doing. I called the parks department in advance. I told them where I was going to be and what we we're going to be doing. We did it. And um, the only thing that happened was there was one plainclothes officer um, or undercover, whatever you want to call it, who was kind of watching us. But he wouldn't approach us. I had to approach him and then repeatedly ask him if he's law enforcement. He eventually said yes. And as far as all the parks officers, I went. I would go right up in front of them and vape in front of them. They wouldn't do anything. They wouldn't write us a citation. Um, it got to the point where I just said, okay, well, I'm going to go inside the arsenal. And I'm going to go to the front desk and I'm going to vape there. And I'm going to make sure the undercover. And nothing we would do. And we obviously weren't breaking any other laws. Nothing we would do resulted in any citations being written, which is really what I wanted. Um, so mm -hmm. I think perhaps maybe the answer to this, Sean, is maybe I have to go with you somewhere and vape because maybe that'll that'll get a ticket. Because <laughs> honestly, I, I, well, I, I really want one. Well, um, like I said, when, they, when I first heard uh, that New York City, before Mayor got, uh, uh, Bloomberg got out of office, and I heard that they were implementing something to ban smoke uh, vaping in public places or treat them just like they were cigarettes. I had it in my head already. I'm going to, I'm not going to observe it. I'm going to violate I don't care what law they make it. I don't care or what law they, they call it a law or not, what penalties they attach to it. I'm going to challenge them on it. You know, and I still will. I'm going to challenge them on it. I, I, you know, for me personally, I didn't, um, I never thought of gathering other people for any cause to challenge uh, these, these, these people who think they're our, our overlords. For me, it's a personal thing, you know. If, if, uh, if I have a problem with something that they're calling the law, I'll challenge it. I will challenge them whenever I get a chance. I'm not, I don't necessarily go out specifically and say, this day I'm going to go here and do that. But if I'm, you know, in this subway station and I want to vape and I have my device with me, I'm going to vape regardless of who's standing around. Uh, meaning not necessarily people because I don't, you know, uh, uh, people uh, take it, they think it's smoke, and I don't blow smoke in people's face. I don't, I don't do that type of thing. But, um, but if the police are standing around, I don't care if they're standing around or not. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to vape. Well, you got balls, sir. Um, and furthermore, in my opinion, I think, uh, I think what you're doing, I think there's a lot of confusion about what you're doing, I hope this video, I hope this interview, I'm sorry, uh, shed some light to your motivation. Um, 
We'll see. I mean, I really respect what you're doing, and it, uh, quite frankly, inspired me to do First Amendment checks on my own. They're certainly not nearly. They're certainly not nearly as um, I don't know uh, eventful as yours. But that said, um, confrontational. <laughs> yeah, they're they just the cops. They don't come up to me. They look at me, and they just they don't. And and, and that, hey, that's a good result too. But again, maybe that's for different yeah. reasons. But I really respect oh, you. I would I, love it if that was the case. What do you mean? I would love it if that was the case, if they didn't approach me. I'm not necessarily looking for confrontations. I'm, my, my, my position is I, I'm not looking for a confrontation, but if you bring one to me, I'm not going to back down. Yeah, you know, and that's interesting. Let's address this because I've heard this comment a lot too. A lot of people have said, this is a guy just looking to go out and uh, escalate situations with, uh, with police encounters and instigate in the hopes of getting paid off with a lawsuit. What, how do you respond to that? No. How do you no, not at all. I'm not a confrontational person. I've never been a confrontational person. I am. <laughs> people who know me, if you know me personally, I'm the one guy, the one, probably the one male that you would know who knows nothing about sports, who's never played sports, who's never been physically active like that. I'm not a fighter. I'm not interested in confrontations with guys with guns. You know, that's not what I'm looking for. And I'm not hoping to get a payday off and also, you know, end up dead in the process. It's a, it's a simple it's a simple matter of, of principle. I'm not, you know, as I, as I said, I see it as that we are the authority. We are the, the people, you know. I mean, could you imagine you, you have a home and you have a maid and the maid is in there running. You have you serving the maid, you know, have you serving her? You, you wouldn't stand for it. And this is how I feel about us, with whether they're police or the so-called legislators or, or anyone else in government. We stand on top of the Constitution. They stand, they stand under the Constitution. The way I see it is that the United States Constitution isn't there so much to give us rights. It's there for the purpose of restricting government. It's there to put a leash, chains on them. I don't think I've ever heard it better and perhaps that's a, a a great way to leave this interview i i really appreciate your time mr thomas um can you please thank you uh, can you please tell people where well I'll, I'll certainly post your 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 youtube channel and your blog if there's if there's anything else you'd want me to share in the replay notes most of the people listen to this program on a replay and not live so i think they'll be interested to learn more about you do me a favor and just send me an email and uh i'll include any okay, of those any of those links you want i'll put them in the replay notes for you all right okay great Thank you so much for your time, sir. Thank you for having me. Right on, right on. Hey, there he goes, everybody. Sean Thomas. Hey, uh, Dan from uh, Mr. E-Liquid. Now would be a good time to call in. Ladies and gentlemen, stand by. You're listening to ClickBang. Did you learn anything? I did. So, if you haven't seen it, 
there uh, was a local uh, a, a news organization in Michigan who went out and tried to find some people to sell some fourteen year old uh, some fourteen year old girls some e cigarettes. They uh, were able to easily do that at a gas station. They went to a a vape shop by the name of uh, Juiced Vapor. Uh, they wouldn't sell the girls anything without ID. But then they went to uh, Mr. Mr. E's Vape Shop, I think is the name of it. It's a, they're the brick-and-mortar arm of uh, Mr. E's e-liquid. And unfortunately, they did succeed in getting the store to buy them. They, you know, they weren't real... So th I didn't hear anybody ask them, are you of age? I didn't hear anybody ask, do you have ID? Obviously, they didn't ask for ID because they, they didn't. That was kind of the point. And this did not look good, not only for that vape shop, but we're talking about a state here that should have by now had a ban on e on any kind of vaping product being sold to minors. In fact, it passed their legislature, their, uh, you know, their house and their Senate or whatever they have there. It, 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 point is it was on the governor's desk and the governor refused to sign it because it didn't, it, all it did was say, you can't sell e-liquid and stuff. You, you can't sell that stuff to minors. What it didn't say, which he wanted, was, well, we want to make e-cigs the same thing as smoking, which is a very, very dangerous precedent because then anything you do with, with tobacco, be it taxes or regulation, then vaping just de facto gets lumped into it. It's bad. Um, but that's what he wanted. So he vetoed it. Now, here's the problem. Once something comes out like this, and it's on the news that there's kids going to these vape shops and gas stations and buying e-cigarettes. Well, the next time when they take out a piece of paper and they write down no e-cigs for minors, also, it's the same thing as tobacco, also, this tax, also, whatever other twisted ideas they have. Well, after news stories like that, it sure does make it a whole lot easier to push through. Now, me, Mr. E-Liquid got hit pretty hard. After this, after all, they're on camera selling stuff to minors. That's not good. And they took a beating. And maybe that was a good thing because maybe it woke up a lot of other vape shops that are like, you know, whether or not you got a law against it, it's just like, you know, the, the, the press that gets generated by this is significant and potentially extremely harmful, not just to them. I mean, look at it this way. Let's say in Michigan, there was a law already on the books against selling to minors, right? It's actually a, a much, it, it, it's much less of a big deal in that case, because at that point, they just get whatever fine it is and, and whatever happens to them that happens, you know, and then it's over, but there is no law. And for the reasons I said before, makes it so that once they do write that law, it's going to be a lot worse than it needs to be. All there really needs to be is, you know, if you're under 18, you can't buy this stuff. But that's not what's going to happen. Now. So it's bad. And they eat a lot of shit for it. Now, since then, I did talk to some people that helped, you know, kind of put this in perspective for me. You know, all of my off-the-record conversations are off-the-record. But I will say that these are people that are smart and I respect a lot who told me some of the things that were happening after this incident. And I think it's important to offer both sides of the story. Was the store wrong Was for, for selling the, the, the miners? Absolutely. Was it right that they got the attention? Yeah. 
But what happens next is also important. And for that reason, I've invited Dan from Mr. E-Liquid on to talk about what's been going on. Dan, are you there? Can you hear me, sir? Yes, yes, definitely. Thanks again for coming on the program. I really appreciate it. Can you just uh, introduce yourselves to the introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, my name is Dan Lewitsky. I own Mr. E-Liquid and Mr. E's Babe Shops. Um, we've been in the business for about five years now, and uh, we manufacture e-liquid. That's what we do. And the uh, the Mr. E's vape shop am I, is that the right is that the name of the store? I think it is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We have uh, we're opening our fourth right now, and we own the Blown O Smoke franchise down in Illinois as well. So, how did you hear about? Um, did you did you hear who did did you see the news or did you did you hear from your employees? What after after that happened when the when the news crew walked into into your shop? Uh, what what happened next? Yeah, it, we were in a management meeting, actually, and uh, all my managers were together. And um, unfortunately, it, it ended the meeting early due to due to the news. Yeah, I um, could imagine. Basically rolling into our establishment, and um, uh, they caught us. I mean, it's that simple. So what happened next? Uh, well, um, immediately we went into basically risk mitigation mode. Um, uh, we started talking about our policies. How could this possibly have happened? Um, what could we have done differently to make sure this didn't happen? But more importantly, how can we make sure this doesn't happen again? Um, since day one, we've constantly driven into our employees that we we don't sell nicotine products to people under 18. It's irresponsible to do that. And there are quite a few shops around that do. But that's never been uh, part of our culture. I mean, we've always been very responsible. So the first, the first, basically, we decided how how did this happen? And the part that we kind of focused on really is complacency. And on this given day, our policies weren't followed, and it's that simple. Um, so what did we do? We we kind of took a look at how we could how we could effectively talk about this to our employees. So in our Mysteries newsletter that we sent out, we talked about complacency in the workplace, complacency for the policies, and complacency basically for coming into work, doing what we do, and then going home for the day. And really, the first thought, when, you, when, we, when we see a customer walk through our doors, the first thought has to be, do I need to card this individual? Does this individual look like he is 40 years or younger? And that's our policy. If you look 40 years or younger, you better be carding because it's, it's important. And, and for some reason, on this given day, it just happened to be a sting from um, Wood TVA, was the local news broadcaster, mm -hmm. that, that, that we were complacent. And, and that's really not what we're about. Um, so where do we go from here? That was kind of the focus. Um, basically, we reinforced our policy. We, we made sure our employees knew what would happen if you broke a policy of our company. And we worked very hard to make sure that our policies are not only fair, but they're obtainable. They're, they're, you can easily achieve 
within this framework that we've built. And we decided that we were going to send out emails. We were going to talk to our store managers. We were going to make sure that they knew that not only are their jobs on the line, our reputation's on the line. Without, with, with an, we've worked very hard over the last five years to have a very positive reputation. And we've done a great job at completely staying out of any drama, any vape drama that's going on, which, which tends to happen from time to time in this industry. Yeah, I've noticed. But at this, you know, at, in this, on this given day, we, we were caught on our heels. And um, it's really not okay. It's not okay for us. It's not okay for the industry. It's not okay for the state of Michigan. And we're embarrassed that it happened. I think it's, uh, first of all, you know, I think it's great that you're, that you're saying these things, that you're saying, you know, when you don't look at the, at, at some of the, the little things where you become complacent or however you want to put it, mistakes happen. And this was, uh, this was certainly a mistake. Uh, and when you got a TV crew, you know, engineering this, you know, it's, it, it's going to be bad. I hope, and I, and I think part of what you're doing here is very helpful to other brick and mortar vendors who, you know, might not be there on a day-to-day -day basis that, you know, sometimes wacky stuff is going on unless you lay the law down and you tell employees that, Hey, you know, this, this kind of activity is not acceptable. And you, you, you got to card everybody or card everybody you think is under 40 or whatever, however you want to do it. I think that's probably a pretty good metric, but however you do it, I mean, it has to be a zero, there can't be any mistakes, especially with minors. And, you know, beyond that, I'm telling you, I don't know what's going on in Michigan, but I can tell you right now in New York, I could walk into any vape shop in New York and I could buy illegal drugs. I'm telling you that, right? And I'm not saying that's what's going on in Michigan. I'm just telling you that I, I know that today I can do that, which means that every vape shop owner in New York you know, unless anything's changed in the, in the past couple months since I've been through a shop, you guys are asleep at the wheel too. And it's, and it's, and it's far worse. Now you're talking about maybe getting your whole business shut down. Forget about a fine for selling in, well, in New York, it's under 21. Um, so th there's, there's shop owners. You're all, you know, a lot of you are, you're asleep at the wheel and this could have easily been you. It could have been, it could have been almost anybody. And it's because these policies, they need to be drilled into these employees. I mean, this is just, you know, what, what this isn't, what happened here? This isn't this. If, there are vape shops. Like you said, you, you, I don't know what's going on in Michigan, but there are vape shops probably all over the country. They, they, they don't care law or no law that they, they sell to anybody who walks in, whether they're a kid or not. There, there are people doing that. It's clearly not the case with Mr. E-Liquid. It's clearly the case that there was one employee who got sloppy at one point in time that was really bad and it blew up. I'm saying. I, I think could... that's important. I mean. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, regardless of the amount of policy, regardless of the, how strict the, the results will be if you break the policy, it could happen to absolutely anyone. And, and it's just the reality of the situation. And look at, let's look at alcohol. You know, kids are sold alcohol every day. That store, I'm sure, has a policy not to sell to minors. But if, if you become complacent in your job, mistakes happen. And you know, regardless of how much attention to detail you instill into your employees, your employees will never, 
They will never care as much as the owner does. They'll never care as much as the person who lays his life on the line for the business. And and that's the hard part is how do you how do you get um, an hourly part time person to feel basically the pressure that that maybe someone running a business or someone managing those people is feeling. That's, I think that's just a question in business, and I think that's every business eventually feels that. I mean, I love my employees. I have 65 of them, and they are absolutely fantastic people. I would go to bat for every single one of them. But at the end of the day, none of that really matters because it could happen to anyone. A lot of times I've, I've covered topics where, you know, somebody fucks up or whatever, and when I go to cover it on the show, I say, hey, listen, you know, I, I think you fucked up. I've talked about it, and now I've talked about it online. Now I'm going to talk about it on the show. Would you like to come on and talk about it? And the, and, the, and the response I usually get is nothing or, hey, Russ, go fuck yourself. I, I, think it, I, think it says, I think it says a lot, and I think it's going to mean a lot to a lot of people that you were, you know, you've, you've addressed this, and you've done it publicly at this point. It, listen, we made a mistake. There was a problem. We took, you know, very specific actions to correct this problem from ever happening in the future. Um, I think, well, listen, that goes a long way in my book. I hope it goes a long way in other people's books because I believe you guys are a good company. You had an employee that did one thing wrong that blew up. That doesn't mean you're a bad guy as an owner. That doesn't mean your company is a bad company. In fact, everything I hear about you guys says you're a good, you're a good company. And uh, you had a bad day. Um, you had one employee do a bad thing, and that resulted in a real a real bad day or a real bad week. I don't know. But uh, it, it means a lot to me, and I appreciate it. And um, I, I really do think it it, it should be a wake up call to, you know, every vape shop in the country, literally, um, especially you fucking whack jobs in New York selling drugs. You guys are fucking out of your mind. That's another story. But, um, listen, I think it's a big wake up call. You guys got to You guys got to get a handle on what your employees are doing there. Cause you know, when the, when the cat's away, the mice will play. Well, it's, it certainly is enlightening, but yeah, thank I, uh, you very much for having us. Russ. No, I, I I think this is fairly simple. We don't we don't need to belabor the point. I think you guys have done the right thing, and I appreciate you for uh, for coming on on the air to uh, to state what's going on. I, I think it's very useful, and I hope it's a wake a wake up call to all brick and mortar owners. Whether or not you got these laws on the books, you got to tell these employees this is this is important. This whole that this is what they're hitting us with. This you know you're selling these things to kids when it actually happens. Well, what do you say then? You you're caught with your pants down. So yes, this is. This is great what you've done, and I really appreciate it, Dan. Thank you. Thank you. There he goes, everybody. Dan, owner, Mister E Liquid. Very much appreciate you, com you, you coming on, guys. Wake up, man. <laughs> wake those employees up. ID everybody. And for God's sake, stop selling drugs in the store. Doesn't help anybody. There was a great, great piece. This Gutfeld guy. I don't watch Fox News, but. I watched this guy on YouTube. He's he's legendary for his rants on uh, e-cig legislation stupidity. I don't know if you heard this. This is the latest. It's pretty good. So what do Dick Durbin, Richard Blumenthal, Sherrod Brown, Ed Markey, Tom Harkin, Barbara Boxer, and Henry Waxman have in common? They're stupid. I'm sure you knew that, but now it's conclusive. They want to ban e-cigarettes at the Capitol, yet they feel that e-cigs are no different than regular smokes. Notice how I said feel and not think. 
Yet they admit they have no research to back this garbage up. They're concerned that others might be exposed to vapor, water vapor. Yep, people who accuse the right of being anti-science are terrified by a substance that's found in fog. <laughs> but I guess they should also ban nicotine gum, too, which, like e-cigs, are non-tobacco delivery systems that replace deadly smoking. These morons claim it's all about promoting health, but they're too dumb to see e-cigarettes are doing just that. I haven't had a real smoke in months thanks to e-cigs. Ban them and people will smoke the real thing. Maybe that's the point. Henry Waxman wants me dead. Of course, their cowardly and profoundly infantile defense will always be about perceived danger. That way, you don't have to come up with real facts. Hence, our new villain is secondhand water vapor. <laughs> Mist. I guess it's time to rethink teapots and saunas. Better not steam your pantsuit, Miss Boxer. Think <laughs> of the children. My advice, forget about secondhand smoke or secondhand vapor. Worry more about secondhand stupidity, which these clowns spread with glee. <laughs> this drives me nuts. That was cheerful. No, this is it. Yeah. Because you, they're, they're, not even they're not even waiting for science or anything. Bob. Yes. Even CVS, Here they're banning the cigarettes, are, are, are getting rid of e-cigarettes. This is, and they're comparing it to secondhand smoke. This is just beyond stupid. You know what's really beyond stupid is that I've been up on Capitol Hill for years and years and years, and every one of these hidden Senate office buildings are loaded with booze, and they start drinking it early. <laughs> yeah. Now, if they want to ban something, why don't you ban your overpriced, taxpayer-paid booze and leave e-cigarettes alone? I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you know, not that all of you are drunks. A lot of you have some problems, but that's all right. Uh, just, you know, just fanable. There you oh, go. Nice. This is an angry, angry show today. It's really uh, Eric, okay. CV CVS is going to stop selling cigarettes. It's going to cost them $2 billion. Meanwhile, they have aisles filled with junk food. I think heart disease is just as bad. And, and booze, and they sell other stuff, too. Here's the thing. The CVS, look, look uh, you defer to the market. You always yeah. see what, what's going on. CVS today got blasted. They were down 1%. Meanwhile, Walgreens, their competitor, so every corner has a CVS. Yeah. The next corner has a Walgreens. Up 3%. Right. And uh, the other one, Rite Aid, up 2.5%. So people realize it's a profit center. It's a lot of money. And you're yeah. gonna, not only you buy cigarettes at no longer at CVS, but at Walgreens, you're going to buy everything else. When you're going for cigarettes, your candy bar, whatever, your toothpaste, toothpaste. So, right, exactly. your Doritos. You can't yep. even find the you're drugs so in the drugstore. You can't find the drugs in the drugstore. Right. They have two floors now. You got to go downstairs <laughs> to find your medicated wipes, and that's wrong when you have issues. Oh, talks often. Well, but you, you have to say this, Vladimir. I mean, they made a decision to go to more <laughs> medical care in yep. the CVSs. They're bringing yep. doctors in. They're bringing yeah. doing good more shots. And maybe it's a little disingenuous to have cigarettes being sold. That may hurt well, them. What about e-cigarettes? Yeah, e no, e-cigarettes are fine. I don't worry about well, that. They I don't too, though. Well, that's, that's their choice. That's, you're the one who's a free marketer. They made the decision. Agreed. That's true. This Absolutely. was inconsistent with their message. Kimberly, what? we are told over and over again, because we're not liberals, that we are anti-science, that we believe the Earth is 6,000 years old, and that we think evolution's a crock. It's not. It's, isn't, it a fact that, isn't it a fact that liberals don't care about real science because it gets in the way of politics? Isn't, is that a real question? I uh, think we all know the answer to that yes, one. That was a layup. That's a leading question. <laughs> it was a leading question. As a prosecutor, I like this. Yes, of course. But it's just, to me, the irony of it is just so striking and yeah. startling at the same time. Because they can just, with one turn of the head, talk out of the mouth here and support something they believe in, and then use the exact ar argument against it if the right or the conservatives put it forward. And to to me, they just lose any kind of like credibility, and I just hope that the public sees through this. Now, as for CVS, I think they should have the right to make any kind of corporate decisions they want to and let the market correct 
or let them take it back and decide to sell them again if they want to. And if somebody doesn't like it, then yes, go get your little honeydew list at the Rite Aid or the Dwayne Reed and not stop at the CVS. Why don't they try to ban Nicorette gum then? That's, yeah, exactly. It's really annoying. I mean, people who chew gum with their mouth open are way more annoying than people you, who smoke e-cigarettes. You can get secondhand chew from that. Secondhand chew. <laughs> Where's the consistency? So now two saying. states have legalized marijuana. Yeah. 20 states have legalized it for medicinal use. D.C. wants to legalize yeah. marijuana now, but you're going to pull e-cigarettes in vapor. Yeah, water e -E vapor, because you know that's more dangerous. They're going to pull up those patches. Are they going to pull humidifiers you know those, next? The, the, the patches, the, the uh, nicotine patches you have on do you, ever, do you ever sleep with someone with nicotine patches on? They get stuck on you? Do you, know, um, do you know the best way to use those patches to quit it, smoking? Is that your oh. You use two of them at the same time, and you put them over each eye, and that way you can't find your cigarettes. Ladies Here's an idea. By the way, I just, I, I gotta, before I go, they're not just dumb, these politicians. They're dangerous because this stuff, these e-cigs, have the potential more than anything to reduce Save the number us. of death. Yes, because it feels like smoking. And what they are doing is they're increasing the likelihood of death because they're stupid. They're stupid people. All right. And has anybody died of an e-cigarette? Uh, a couple of occasions where an e-cigarette might have uh, exploded. exploded. <laughs> but that's part of the excitement. Oh, my. We, we love Fourth of July fireworks. It's smoking yeah, roulette. Fireworks. It's smoking roulette, ladies and gentlemen. Very good. All right. Uh, other than the bad joke at the end, uh, the part that he's wrong about is that these people are not stupid. It's not that you see... Stupid people, most of well, some of them at least, they can be educated. They're not stupid. They are motivated. And they're motivated by, we all know this, pharma, sometimes baked tobacco. They're doing this for a reason. They know exactly what's up. They know this is safer than smoking. They know it's going to reduce public health death from smoking. They're doing it because they get paid. I kind of wish... Uh, that's the only thing. This guy's great with his rants, and I think he—I think he does influence uh, public opinion. Uh, public opinion to a certain extent. That's the only criticism I have. I, I wish he'd go after that—that that angle. Maybe I'll tweet him. So what's going on in New York? Twelve, count them, a dozen horrible laws about e-cigarettes. One of them I wanted to go over in, in, in specific because it looks innocuous, and it's actually. Well, they're all bad, but anyway, we got one. We got AB three, uh, AB six thirty five. Our friend, our, our friendly uh, representative on the Upper West Side, Linda Rosenthal, prohibits sales of any quantity of e-liquid. Pretty self-explanatory. That bill passes. Nobody can sell e-liquid in New York. That would effectively cripple the entire community, the entire marketplace. Uh. Jeffrey Dinowitz, AB 296, labels e-cigarette cartridges as tobacco for the purposes of taxation. Money. Simple. Uh, and it's just the cartridges because, well, he's kind of banking on Rosenthal to get the loose liquid ban. So, there you go. SB 702, Rivera. Oh, that's just the sister bill to 296. Sometimes they, they put they put one in the Senate and one in the House. So, okay, so that's a, that's a mirror. SB 7202, Rivera, again, labels anything containing tobacco or nicotine a tobacco product for the purpose of taxation unless approved by the FDA as a smoking cessation product. Money. Rosenthal, again, 1496, prohibits use of vaporization products in certain areas. Where this is a use ban. Increases purchasing, also increases purchasing age of tobacco and e-cigarettes from 18 to 21. Basically, it's just taking what they've already done in New York City 
Got to be over 21 to buy. Can't use it anywhere in public or in parks and beaches. Um, and extends that to the rest of New York State. Rosenthal again, 852. Uh, requires sellers of electronic cigarettes to register with the Department of Taxation and Finance. Okay, obviously. You can tax people, you can have the paperwork. Rosenthal again with Rivera, 237, increases the purchasing age for tobacco from 18 to 21. Okay. Uh, Gottfried, 2221, amends the public health law and the tax law to define tobacco products and to amend the public health law and the tax law in relation to changing the minimum pack sizes for tobacco products and the tax amount for tobacco products. I think they don't want people, they, they sell at, the, at these bodegas, they sell like a, a single cigar, you know, with like a flavored wrapper. Can't sell flavored cigarettes, but you can sell flavored cigars. They haven't closed that loophole yet. I'm, I'm sure the FDA will get around to it. But, you know, the kids, they, they go, they buy these blunt wrappers, you know, and uh, they're sold in packs of one. So, I don't know, I guess they want to make them packs of 20. I don't know. Not really our problem, but still gross. 1743, Pretlow, relates the sale of tobacco products over the internet. Okay, this is the one I want to talk about. This one's fucking nasty. Relates to the sale of tobacco products over the internet. Requires companies selling tobacco products over the internet to first send a form to individuals to sign, stating that such an individual is 18 years of age or older, and upon receipt of the, the form, the company may send the tobacco products if such a person is over the requisite, requisite age. Now, let's read... By the way, these... Uh, Ed made a post in my uh, in my Facebook group. Uh, so thank you for, I, I don't know if you wrote these summaries or if it was someone else, but it was very helpful to me today. So thank you. Um, but let's go to the actual law. Let's read from the law, or the, well, the proposed law, the bill. Retail shipment of tobacco products. Before a company may ship tobacco products to an individual, and of course this would include vaping because they want to make smoking vaping or tobacco vaping, before a company may ship tobacco products to an individual attempting to purchase such products over the internet or otherwise, such company shall send, important word, such company shall, sh shall send a form to the individual requesting an authorized, important word, requesting an authorized signature that such individual is 18 years of age or older upon receipt of such form, such company may then ship the tobacco products. Those two words are very, very important. The first word, send. Such company sell, man, I wouldn't even try doing this three times fast. Such company shall send a form to the individual requesting the purchase. So what does that mean? Well, send is a broad word. The process now you guys are familiar with. You go online to buy some e-cigs. You load up your cart. You put in your credit card number. You click the box that says I'm 18 or older, and they send it to you. Virtually painless. When they're saying such company shall send a form to the individual, I don't think they mean electronically. It could. I doubt it. They want to make this as difficult as possible. What is likely is they're going to take out a piece of, you need to take out a piece of paper that has writing on it, that you will fold, put in an envelope, lick a stamp, and put it in the mail. So now you're looking at another two days before that person 
gets it. You know, normally the the, the transaction's done already. Now we're at a couple days. She'll send a form to the individual requesting an authorized signature. Authorized. Important word. There's only one way I know, and that doesn't mean there are others, but there's only one I'm familiar with where you can get an authorized signature, and that is by taking a piece of paper to a notary public, presenting them with ID, signing the paper, and then they take out that weird metal stampy thing, and then they stamp your thing, and then it's notarized, and that would make it authorized. And in this case, you would then leave the notary public, fold up the piece of paper, put it in an envelope, lick a stamp, and send it back to them. So now we're looking, okay, you, you put in the order on uh, on Sunday night. So on Monday, they mailed you the form. You get it on Wednesday. You find the time to go to the notary public on Thursday. You go back and send it out. Maybe they get it on Saturday. Hopefully, you'll it'll only be a week delay before your order is shipped. You've, you, you've, you've, trans, you've changed. What they're going to do is they're going to change the amount of time it takes to place an order from a mouse click, which is less than a second, to a week before it ships. This is particularly nasty because what it's going to do, they're not saying, they're saying you, you can send things through the mail. You can send e-cigs and, and whatever else through the mail. No problem. We just need to make sure everyone's of age. Here's, we're gonna, here's how we're going to do it. And the two words they use are dangerous in their broadness. And you don't expect the best with these things. I, I really do think this is about getting a piece of paper notarized. That's what I think this is about. You know, okay, maybe you can cut it down a little bit by maybe, all right, here's the, here's the, electri here's the electronic form. You got to print this out and then take it. But how, how do you get an authorized signature on something? I, I only know one way. You know, tell me if there's another way to get to authorize a signature without a notary public. <clears throat> well, that's another two bucks, too. What this law is, is if you sell anything online and you're in the state of New York, congratulations, you're out of business because nobody in their right fucking mind is going to do any of this. It has nothing to do with protecting kids from buying e-cigs online. They're not doing that now. Everybody. What are they going to? They're going to. They're going to go through a whole thing with it. With, no, they, they, and then it's got to. It's got to come into the mail. Maybe their dad gets it first, or their mom gets it. No, why, why would they do that? They could go to the gas station. Or they can go to the shady B and M that sells the, the, the kids. What, the, the, this has nothing to do, nothing to do with protecting minors. It has everything to do with shutting down every online vendor in the state of New York. That's what this is. NY twenty five one four nine. Oh shit. Sorry. No, no, sorry. Um, shit. <laughs> Which one is it? Uh, A1743. Sorry about that. A1743. That's from Pret Law. Rosenthal again. 2595, amending the public health law in relation to electronic cigarettes with provisions regulating smoking in public areas. I don't know. She introduces the same thing three times sometimes, apparently. Kent Hammond. Kemp Hannon from Long Island, Republican. The only one on the list that I can see. He had the e-liquid ban that got tabled. I don't know. I guess Rosenthal took it over. I have no idea. But uh, makes the restrictions relating to smoking in public places. Okay, so he's just, uh, there's another, uh, oh, the, so so no public areas and also register for taxes. I don't know. That sounds the same as the other ones, but I guess it's good for Democrats and Republicans to, to be 
bipartisan on these kind of things, right? And finally, 25149, rule, review, Department of Taxation and Finance reviews uh, rules concerning informational returns for wholesale dealers of cigarettes and tobacco products, forces shop owners. To, this is largely procedural for all of the other nonsense, just to have you know, procedures for compliance. It's bad, guys. It's real bad out there. Um, Cuomo has stated they are, he is, he's all, he's all, he's gung ho, man. He is all for this stuff. And when you got the governor and basically one of the bluest states and they, they, there's a whole lot more Democrats in office. It's, we're really looking at the entire marketplace for vaping in New York to go away. Everything all together, except gas stations selling cartridges, selling, selling, you know, disposables and little, you know, bullshit blister pack nonsense. That's that's what we're gonna have. Everyone's going out of business with these laws. These laws passed. Everyone's going out of business. That that there's no two ways about it. 